Welcome to Cinema Bushido, where we talk the way of the movie. I am your host, Matthew Whitaker, and with me, as always, is the bad to my good. And I, I would say we have an ugly here, but that's just mean. But Mr. Lee Van Cleef, how's it going, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day's a holiday. How are you doing today? Oh, excellent. Excellent. So tonight, we are welcoming back a very special guest, someone Lee and I hold great affection for, Mr. Attack on Movies himself, Stephen. How's it going, Stephen? It's, it's going very well. Uh, thank you for having me back. Awesome. So last we talked, um, Lee, Lee actually um, kind of went on this, you are awesome, I love your reviews. Um, before we started recording this podcast, he kind of said the same thing. Um, we haven't heard a lot of the same kind of reviews. That's because you've launched a new review format called The Guide. Tell me more about The Guide. Yeah. So um, first of all, I should say that I am I am going to do more of the video reviews. It's just uh, there's a, there's a lot of production involved for sort of five minutes, um, but I w- but I will continue to do them probably every other week. Um, but the the idea with the the guide um, it, it's sort of a blog. Um, the idea is that every film I watch, I, I write um, a sort of short form um, review of with a with a star rating. And although you know there isn't a huge amount of material on there at the moment, uh, the idea is that I will sort of systematically uh, work my way through uh, m- movies from you know silent movies, uh, foreign movies, and and things that have just come out in the cinema. And you know over the course of I suppose years, hopefully we'll rack up you know thousands of reviews, and it'll be just a, a comprehensive uh, uh, movie guide. So that's that's the aim at the moment. But we will carry on doing the uh, doing the video reviews as well, just because they're fun. Yeah, well, that's great, and I like it so far. I like the concise version. I mean, I like the very heady people who just go on and they write the review. That's like, yeah. uh, oh my gosh, we're going crazy. But I, I mean, there's there's so much to be said about the quick. This is approximately what you can expect. This is the gist of it. Let's move yeah. on. And once once that's got a lot of bulk, it'll be very very useful to lots of people. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I, I I figured that actually I, I was able to sum up most movies in conversation in about two sentences. Right. Most people ask that, right? Like, oh, you're a movie guy. What did you think of this? They're not expecting you to write, you know, or speak two pages worth of uh, of a review. They're like, am I wrong in liking this? Or if I haven't seen it yet, do you think I will? It's more of a let's jump to it. Brevity is a soul of wet. Boom. We're two for two on the Shakespeare. <laughs> Yeah, two for two. Brevity is the soul of wit. I like that, Lee, a lot. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we got to pin him with Shakespeare stuff because, you know, I mean, he's... It's true. It's and, Gar- and Gary Oldman, right? Yeah. And Gary, exactly. <laughs> Why we Super duper gang. <laughs> I'm thinking more of the, everyone, you know, just scream that all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone. Perfect. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, tonight we are talking about one of the most I would say one of the most influential samurai tales of all time, Yojimbo. A tale of a crafty ronin that uses his influence to troll two clans in the most epic way possible. But we'll get to that. I am pairing my uh, movie talk this evening with three kinds of sake, because I like to overindulge. I've got a uh, Yoshinogawa, which is a uh, Junmai Ginjo sake. I'm halfway through that. I have this cool one. Um, It had a great name when it was translated. It's all in Japanese. It's uh, bottled in Tokyo, but it was something like the four-horned devil. It's got a beautiful picture on the front that uh, I'll send to you guys so you guys can see it. But then I got this big bottle of G-sake, like, you know, the G-spot. And I think this is actually out of Forest Grove, Oregon. But uh, I will enjoy it as much as if it came straight out of Tokyo. 
Um, how about you, Lee? What are you? What's on the tap list tonight? You know, I I feel like you're my you're my spirit animal now, dude, because I too, for once, bought a bottle of sake. What? Yeah, and I because I, I I watched the movie twice and oh, that sake. I was like, I was like, there were two things about this movie that they're hammering home: that gambling is bad and sake is good. Exactly. And, and I was like, I, I should just drink sake. And I never, I mean, I do every time I go out, and you know, you go to like the Benihana's places, and you know, you get drunk with your lady, you know, and then uh, you know, make inappropriate remarks. But um, I, I hadn't, I, I hadn't thought to do it, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go do it. So I went. And I don't know the name of it because it's in the kitchen, but I picked it out. I picked it out by. I picked it out by alcohol content, and I was like, I've been doing it for about an hour and a half. I actually snuck away when you were talking about whatever you were talking about and heated up another pitcher. So I'm good. It's great. So sake. I had that problem with the Zadoichi series of films, right? He he drinks constant sake. I mean, I found myself constantly <laughs> needing more sake to keep watching it. it. It's, I don't know. It's like the classic old days where, you know, let's say Mad Men, where you want to smoke after watching an episode because they just look so great doing it. It's imitatable. It is. All right. Well, Stephen, I know it's uber late for you, but uh, what is on your tap list this evening? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of jealous, actually. I wish I was drinking sake. Uh, that's entirely appropriate. But no, I'm, I'm drinking Chivas Regal, uh, aged 12 years, blended scotch whiskey. Yeah, blended scotch. Yeah. Well, you know what? That is nothing to uh, shake a finger at. Yeah. That's beautiful stuff. It is good stuff. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'd love I mean, uh, blended scotches have paved the way for a lot of technology in the production of scotch. So really, in a way, you're just funding the future there, Stephen. I appreciate that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you appreciate that. I'll continue funding it glass by glass. Are you drinking it straight or, or uh, on the rocks? Or how do you it, consume yeah, it? On the rocks. On the rocks. But I've got some water with me. So uh, for the next glass, I'll just put a drop in. How'd you that? <laughs> I'm mixing my sake with Coke, because, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's Yojimbo. What a flick. All right. So I love this. I just want to get started by talking about Kurosawa. He loved John Ford, and he loved John Wayne. And he had, you know, he had done Seven Samurai. It had been ripped off by, um, oh, what's his name? John Sturgis for Magnificent Seven in 1960. Um, when he made this, he was thinking of making um, almost an American Western. He knew he was making a samurai flick, but he thought frontier town, the you know the dust coming in, dust bowl, all this stuff. He thought you know it could be a gunslinger, it could be a samurai. It doesn't really matter. He was trying to make this awesome thing. And then, of course, we're going to talk a lot about this, but it gets ripped off again. I mean, they couldn't buy the rights to it, so Sergio uh, Sergio Leone just went ahead and ripped it off and did a fistful of dollars. <laughs> invented the character that's more iconic than the name Sanjuro of uh, Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name. I just thought that was a, a really funny way to start off. But that said, this is a beautiful Western and samurai. Um, we're going to start with Stephen, as uh, Lee has taught me over time. The guests come first. What did you think, Stephen? Yeah, it's probably my favorite um, Kurosawa film. Um, it's I, I love the fact that it's very concise. It's an hour and 45 minutes um, and obviously, at this point, he's made a number of um, epics. Um, you've got The Seven Samurai and you've got Hidden Fortress. Um, he's already made. Um, I, you know, I love the fact that um, Toshiro Mifune, it's one of his most um, iconic characters. And he played the character and variations on the character in, in other films. Uh, it's got a brilliant plot, um, a perfect plot almost. Um, and I love the fact that it's so enclosed. It's almost like a play. It's set. 
um, you know, in this small, crappy sort of dusty town. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a masterpiece. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, it's a Sam Yara movie, but it doesn't have a lot of action in it, but the action that it does have is, is really, really memorable. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that the character, you know, of uh, Sanjuro, he almost ends up there. In fact, he does end up there completely by accident. And, you know, it's just kind of following uh, the path that, that fate determines for him because he just throws a stick up in the ground and then walks to the town and then just deals with what's there. And then when he his adventure is finished and everything's concluded, he just walks off. Um, so I think it's an iconic film. And it's a film that's, um, yeah, it drew, completely drew on those kind of 40s and, and 50s uh, John Wayne, John Ford Westerns. But then it completely um, influenced uh, the Western genre again and, and fed new uh, new life into it with A Fistful of Dollars and, and that led on to a whole load of other, a load of other films. Yeah. So I loved it. I loved it. So, you know, that soundtrack, you brought that up. Um, I read just a little blurb on this, but I thought it was very interesting that uh, Kurosawa said... Do not bring me another soundtrack that's based on period music of typical yeah. samurai movies. I want something different. So the guy, he was like, cool, I can do whatever I want. So he was heavily influenced by Henry Mancini. He even met Henry Mancini and said, like, listen to what I did. Is this badass or what? And they slapped each other five. Yeah, they should. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's such a brilliant soundtrack. It, it's the, the opening to the film where you just see uh, Sanjuro just kind of striding away. And, you know, there's that kind of shot of him sort of from the shoulders upwards from behind. It's that long tracking shot, which goes on for a few minutes. And uh, it's, you know, it's nothing, but the soundtrack makes it exciting. You know, the soundtrack makes it dynamic. It makes you want to carry on watching. Yeah. And whenever yeah. he does anything really, you know, uh, exciting and bloody, and then he kind of strides off, the soundtrack comes back in again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's awesome. I uh, I would I would think I would say that uh, Stephen had a, a couple of insights that he, I either could not have expressed in such a way or I did not catch at all. Um, I, I thought the soundtrack was good and I definitely thought the intro was good, but I I hadn't really captured. I now that he says it, I really see how the set. I mean, I thought the set was the set was very alive, but how he captures the idea of like it's basically this enclosed little. Uh, Dust Bowl town that's you know godforsaken and that they're all working in it. He it it, it just feels very real and lived in and uh, that's a very good point. Um, I, for me, this was a movie that I I, I liked. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought right away this is a. I was like you know the evangelizing streak in me said that uh, we really need to push this on on people, especially older men who love westerns, because these are the kinds of movies that they're missing out on. Like somebody has somebody in in some gatekeeping television job industry job has failed to make the connection between these samurai movies we're watching and and a bunch of, of old guys sitting on the couch wanting to watch something else other than John Wayne. Ah. And and this this would be a beautiful boon for them because all, the whole time I was thinking, you know, almost every older guy I know would love this movie that loves westerns. And uh, so even though I wasn't as uh, well versed in the history of the movie, I it immediately screamed western to me. And uh, I didn't. I mean, it was a good movie. I it wasn't a bad movie in any way. Um, I have my favorite parts about the movie, but it just didn't draw me in as much as Seven Samurai did or um, Zatoichi. Um, so I, I I thought it was a good movie. Um, I I thought there were points where the pacing kind of slowed again. 
um, just as in Seven Samurai. And I, I thought there were um, there were some scenes that I just was like, well, they, I wish they would have done this or that. But otherwise, I was I watched it three times and I was entertained for two hours, so I can't complain. It was a good movie. All right. Well, um, yeah. So the town. Uh, one interesting thing um, I liked is. They kept panning the, like, main street. I don't know if any towns really have that wider roads, but that was a really brilliant way to set it up. So you always had this, like, contrast of this large group of people amassing on either end. And, you know, they purposefully put Sanjuro in the middle. And, you know, from the moment that he comes out, he finds out that, you know, he's going to get killed by these people or whatever. They're going to threaten him. He becomes this you know, separate entity between the two watching them and, and giggling. And I just thought that was really interesting. And those, those beautiful, beautiful scenes of these long shots of all these people, you know, starting to kind of move in. I thought that was really freaking cool. So in this, terms of the small town thing, I don't know what this town did. We had two things. We had a sake brewer and we had um, a guy who makes silk, right? And then a restaurant. And um, I guess that, uh, obviously from the... Uh, the scene where he comes up with his uh, fake name, there is uh, a mulberry field. <laughs> and comfort women. Comfort women. Lots of comfort women. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. some comfort women. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> yeah. Boo- booze and women, basically. That's what the town is running on. Booze and women and silk. Well, I thought this was full of really great quotes. Um, I wrote down sake. I think while I dr- I, I'll think while I drink. That's just great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the best lines in the holding thing is right in the beginning. Um, you should just get out of here. He says, I like it here. I'm paid to kill. And like everybody here deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, score. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Yojimbo, a uh, means bodyguard. I'm sure you guys caught that uh, from the whole back and forth. Who is he going to be bodyguard to? Uh, it was the original band with no name, which I thought was cool. Um, I liked the, you brought up the intro, beautiful intro. He has nowhere to go. Can you even imagine a life where you have absolutely no direction and throwing a stick is going to kind of send you in your way? You're this Ronin now. The Edo period is over. You can't be employed in the same way you were. So you're just a mercenary and you're just going town to town murdering people. (laughs) That's, that's one of my favorite things about the film actually, is that he's very nonchalant all the way through and, you know, he's in danger throughout the entire movie. Um, but he's, I think because he, he's completely um, given himself over to whatever fate has in store for him, he's totally chilled out pretty much the whole way through the film. So um, we'll probably, I guess you're probably going to want to talk about this later, but like, for example, when he is facing off against Oshitora's gang at the beginning, he's just totally relaxed. Oh, yeah. You know, he's totally chilled out because fate has brought him to this moment and, you know, he's, he, he believes, I guess, that his luck will hold because this is where fate has taken him. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess that's one of the best things about the film is, uh, Mifune's performance is a man who's, who's totally chilled out, totally relaxed and has totally given up, um, you know, his, his destiny really to the whims of, to the whims of fate. Who knows what his original job was? You know, he was a samurai. He could have been the guy who like milled rice or something like that. And now it's like, Oh fuck. I'm just, I'm just going to go here see what happens oh cool there's people to kill (laughs) it's not but it's not like ghost dog you know we were talking about ghost dog it's like uh, ghost dog doesn't care whether he dies and so that's why he's kind of very relaxed whereas with with uh, this character it's like he doesn't believe that he can be hurt that that's how it came across to me because he's completely confident in his abilities but also he 
he has been sent this way by fate and fate has put you know a dangerous mission in his path and he's going to take it on because that's what he's been called to do and so he feels like he'll just succeed so he's he you know he scratches his beard and he shrugs his shoulders and smiles and laughs and drinks his sake and he's quite happy um i guess that's one of my favorite things about the film and, and the character so what did you think in terms of the character Sanjiro versus uh, Kukichio from uh, Seven Samurai? Um, this isn't that far apart, right? Like in terms of time, yet I feel like he seemed so much younger when he's just like, he's also a ronin in Seven Samurai and he's cockier and weirder. But what's your, what's your thoughts? Well, when I first saw him, I was like, oh shit, my nigga, Toshiro Mifino. I was like, <laughs> yeah. He's got, and you know, even though he doesn't do the lion-esque stature, he's still got the same aneurysms. So this is a guy who, I mean, I have a question for you. How much pussy did this guy get in the 60s? Listen, you don't get that much swagger without just, you know, everyone laying down in front of you. I mean, I picture like Japanese women just flopping on the hood of his car like fish in a boat. How about internationally all women flopping all over for Toshiro Bufude? I mean, so he's 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 looking good, you know, like he's in Hollywood, and then uh, like um, like uh, like Stephen says in the beginning of this one, he you know I wrote down that life is a river, you know, and the 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 the, the idea is that the there's the river of life, and most people carry it around with two buckets on their shoulders, like the the restaurant owner and the coffin maker, all these people they carry it around, but. Uh, uh, the uh, I, f- I forget his name in the actual movie, the character's name. I'm just going to call him Yojimbo. Yojimbo is just like, nah, dude, I'm just going to hop into the river and let the current take me where it may. And I kind of felt like after he kind of inspects everybody, it's kind of like when you see people who don't know how to drive driving and you know how to drive, you know, you're just like, well, you are like legally retarded and I'm not. So, you know, he, he was, he was really comfortable just by looking at the people. And so he had already gauged this competition. Whereas in the other movie, um, seven samurai, he's, he's the exact opposite. He's got the inferiority complex. He's got to prove himself all the time because he was a farmer by trade. Um, but, um, I think there's a, there's, there's definitely a connection in the two characters. They're very, um, they're, they're very dramatic in their own way. And they seek to make the most impact on the plot, you know, to drive the plot. Like in Seven Samurai, he drives – Kukichio drives the plot in a lot of different ways. And he – and this guy drives the plot all the way throughout the movie. So this guy obviously wanted to be, you know, the the epicenter of of the storytelling part of the of the movie. I thought it was a – you know, it's a it's – a, it's an interesting template about the uh, the idea of like the rogue or the, the gunman. Uh, or the gun for hire coming into town and two gangs fighting over, uh, you know, what was usually bootlegging. Sure. And then, um, you know, and then the idea of like bidding them up. And I always thought that was a great storyline. You don't really see that anymore. You see that in video games more than anything else, like playing off on, a, on different sides. But I was just trying to think what other modern movies had done that. All I could think of was Last Man Standing. Can you think of another like modern movie that's done that in the last 30 years? The Last Man Standing is a remake of Yojimbo, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a re- it's it's a remake of a fistful of dollars. In fact, yeah. it's even more. I've read that um, Last Man Standing had more almost scene by scene remakes of Yojimbo than even um, a fistful of dollars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So historically, like there's a un, there's a there's a novel that was never made into a film, and that's mm-hmm. what Kurosawa based this. And the, and then like some '40s movie about like some you know uh, corporate 
like publishing magnet that gets in trouble and he kind of pushed the two together so you notice when we're watching this it's a pretty big change between the swaggering badass dude and him playing this trolling game between these two clans and then we get to the point where he gets beat up and it's sort of the okay i'm useless for a little while yeah and then for no particular reason except that kurosawa didn't have to deal with all these modern people and well i guess another 50 years of cinema of people showing that there are better ways to get a device in. They show him throwing the knife and stuff. So you get kind of full back around to how are we going to get to our ending and be a badass. But yeah, it was two separate stories. One is like the wounded dude and one is like the swaggering badass. So we have these two clans, right? We have the, uh, the clan run by Unosuke and uh, we have the clan uh, by uh, CB. So CB... He's terrible, right? He has the evil wife. He has the kid that he's trying to give his business to, which kind of started all the ugliness. He's got the ugly brother. He's got the smug piece of shit gunslinger, who I just yeah. fucking hate. Um, Unosuke doesn't have a lot going on. He's got the, the prostitution clan thing going on. But then he's got the fucking giant with the wooden mallet. What the fuck's up with the giant wooden mallet? Okay, so I wanted to put that to you, Stephen. Or yeah. what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on these uh, these opposing clans? I, I mean, they're all ca- cowards, aren't they? Um, I think uh, Oshitora's men are, are more colorful, and uh, you've got the, the, the giant guy with the hormone imbalance and the huge hammer, <laughs> which I'm very fond of. It, I was trying to say, it's like it is the Japanese version of uh, Jaws. Yeah, and, it looks and, just like yeah. him. He is, well, he's got the same, the same condition. Yes. Um, so yeah, a huge, huge guy, um, and uh, CB's guys—they're all cowards. And there's a scene in there where he says, "Like I think it's where Yajimbo first is, you know, because he kind of goes backwards and forwards. He's saying he's going to sign up with CB, and then CB says, "These are my strongest men, and you've got these like kind of old, nervous-looking, rickety guys." Yeah, and they're all. And then he says, "We're going to fight tomorrow." And then uh, Yajimbo sort of. Uh, Sanjuro tries to pour him some sake, and his like his cup is sort of shaking. So they're, they're all they're all total cowards. And then, and then you you see, so you think maybe maybe Oshitora's guys are are a bit tougher because he, they're all hired men because he's going away and hiring men. But then when you actually see them go into battle with each other, and they're the most pathetic, cowering people you've ever seen in your life. They sort of like approach each other and then back away, approach each other and then back away. One guy falls over, and you sort of see his underwear, and he sort of scrambles. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're pathetic. They're totally pathetic. And I think the thing, the thing I, I really like about the film is that, like, what they're fighting over is complete rubbish. You know, they're, they're fighting <laughs> right. over this, like, really shit town that's got nothing in it. I mean, it's got some leaves blowing around on the ground and some ugly Japanese geishas and some sake and some silk and there's nothing there's really isn't anything else there it's got nothing you know nothing to kind of recommend itself so you know the thing that's beautiful about the film is that is that Sanjuro has kind of gone in there um because he's there and it's all accidental and he's trying to fight these two clans against each other to get them to kill each other to sort of free the town but actually the town is a complete dump yeah it is i thought the same thing like once once everything even happens, it's like, okay, now the town's free. It's going to be a lot quieter. And I thought, well, what's left? <laughs> yeah, it was dead. That's, that's the, the punchline at the end of the film, isn't it? <laughs> right. It's, just it's not- going to be peaceful here now. Everybody's dead. That's why. <laughs> okay, Lee, I want your, I want your thoughts on, uh, I don't know his name, actually. I didn't even bother to look it up. The Gunslinger. Oh, <laughs> dude me- walks like a lady. 
was like, I was like, what? Listen here, Bruce Gender, you're pissing me off. And then, and then, uh, I actually showed this movie to somebody else, and I was like, who knew that Andre the Giant was Japanese? And he was like, he responded back. Is that really Andre the Giant? I was like, no. <laughs> you dumb shit. I was, just, I was just like, no, I'm just fucking with you. That's not Andre the Giant. Oh, that's, um, that's so sad. I, I think uh, it was interesting because the guy who's the the card-carrying member of the Lollipop Guild is like, well, you know, Seibei's group is all like, they're hurting right now. And then the other guy's group, they're, they're, they're stronger. You should go to them. So he goes over there and he looks at all these like motherless dogs. And he's like, okay. And then he goes over to the other side. And he's like, well, I need uh, twenty five gold pieces because, you know, you know, I'm a real killer. And I, and then right then I was like, man, this guy could teach economics at a community college because he's like, well, wait a minute. If I side with the the strong guys, then my price isn't going to be so good. But if I go with the desperate people, demand is higher. Oh, market rate goes up. He knew he was building demand for sure, right? Oh yeah. I he mean, knew in the end, they were going to offer him everything. I mean, he. I mean, he was like, as soon as he's, as soon as he's got that that very cocky smile, he's like, oh, I'm going to stay a while, buddy. I was like, oh yeah. And his downfall I, is actually being a good person. Yeah, which no deed goes unpunished. Which yeah. we see time and time again. Yeah. Anytime somebody with who is not a saint does anything decent out outside of their character, then fate seems to strike them down, like Aaron's robes when he was when they were stripped of him by Moses. Boom. That means he died. Yeah. Um, um, so I wanted to say, have either of you seen the movie High Plains Drifter? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a Clint Eastwood movie. You brought up that guy, the little guy that's like the constable. He's also, I believe, the same guy because they're both weaselly small. He's the same guy that uh, yells what time it is at every... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a... It's a complete... Yeah. Like, they ripped him off for High Plains Drifter. They have that same weird little sheriff, right? The midget... <laughs> It's like I guarantee. Well, it's, it's a midget though in that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, but in the you know they're identical characters though. I'm like mm. I'm sitting there thinking, why the hell is this so familiar? Like I know it was remade into a fistful of dollars, but this yeah. weird kind of cheesy like you could see he could get killed in a second. All you'd have to do is kind of touch his head too hard or something like that. But mm. anyway, how about how about that doggy looking for his paw? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like that is so funny it was like this dog comes running through with his hand i was just like oh that's hilarious who like what was the point of that other than to make me smile well not, oh, i read about it and i guess kurosawa was sick of like oh hey, this is the intro to everything when you're trying to yeah. show just how badass a town is right mm-hmm. so what he did is like how about a dog carrying somebody's hand away mm. your move your move hollywood your move so kurosawa said i want um Toshiro Mifune, I want you to act like a lion in Seven Samurai. In this one, he said, think of yourself as kind of like a wolf or a dog or something like that. And that was kind of what led to the mannerisms of him kind of moving his shoulders weird, like he has fleas or something like that, yeah, touching right. himself a lot. That's Are you implying I have fleas? That's inappropriate. <laughs> but, I, but I like, I mean, I like that scene because, yeah. you know, it's like he's he's ended up in this place completely by accident. He's just wandering and this is where you know, he's throwing his stick up in the air and this is where he's walking. And then he walks into this town, which is kind of a, you know, there's just dust leaves and there's nothing really there. And people are staring at him out the windows and then, well, they're not windows, you know, they're sort of wooden bars. And then yeah. a, a dog runs down the street with a with a hand in its uh, jaws. And then he's it's the one time he doesn't really look, until he gets his uh, ass handed to him, he doesn't really look uh, nonchalant. He looks 
just he's got that kind of like what the hell is this yeah yeah he's mildly he's apprehensive right he's like okay what where where have i been sent what is this mission and i I quite like that that's hilarious Mm. and he also utters that uh, that line that comes back where he's all like he sees the kid arguing with his dad about eating gruel and being a farmer and then at the end he's like nah brah if you're really that scared he's like swords aren't for kids you know go home and eat gruel you know, I was like, oh, yeah, OK. They tied it all together and he plays the character beautifully. I mean, you can't say that this guy is not a great I mean, it's a, he's an he's an unsung hero of Japanese cinema. Like this guy should be more popular. All these little kids you talk about I, Dragon Balls and all this shit. I'm like, dude, watch these movies. This is this is this is real Japanese entertainment at work here. This is brilliant. I mean, like these guys are taking the Western genre and they're applying Japanese culture to it, but they're still telling competent, serious stories that are that have different moments of levity and violence. I mean, my my one critique would be that there wasn't enough violence or any nudity. But I mean, what am I going to get? Well, you know, I mean, actually, there's a point where they put the girl that was, you know, the, the mom that was kidnapped into um, one of those uh, carrying things. Mm-hmm. And there are some men, and their asses, our ass cheeks are hanging out of their clothes while they run off down the street. With, uh, yeah, did you see that? I, I noticed it right away, and I thought, Lee, that's for you. <laughs> that's uh, that, thank you for giving us the queer eye for the straight guy there, uh, Ghost. I, I said that. that was for you. I just knew you like a little skin, and those <laughs> cheeks were yeah. were young and supple. <laughs> can I, can I ask no. you? I, I, I've I, never I, ordered the poo poo platter at a restaurant. I just <laughs> want to point that out. <laughs> What I, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this question, but what because obviously it was remade as a fiscal of dollars, which is regarded also as a masterpiece. And I was wondering which, which one you guys, I know this is Cinema Bushida, but which one you prefer, if you've seen both or, you know, if you, if, if you like them both or what do you think? I've seen both. Um, and I don't, I, I shouldn't have cut you off there, Lee, because maybe you, you would answer first. But um, I'll say this one 100%. Uh, this is kind of. There are there are other samurai films that I like better than this one, but this is up in my like top five favorites. Right. Toshiro's great. I love Clint Eastwood so yeah. freaking much, and maybe if this didn't like mean as much as it does to me, that would be it. I mean, he's so good. He looks he great, and they, they rip off things like the way the samurai keeps his hand within his uh, his clothes, you know, yeah, in order to yeah. get to money and whatever else. Clint Eastwood always put his hand in his poncho. You like they they just made a badass Western version of this film, and it's hard to shit on it. In fact, impossible to shit on it. But yeah. no, I, I definitely um, would say this is the winner of the two. But don't you think? Uh, I, I agree. I prefer Yojimbo. But don't you think um, A Fistful of Dollars is probably the greatest remake ever? Oh God, yeah, that's a really good question. Exactly. I can't think of a better remake. No, neither can I. Because I watched them for this. Because I, 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 you know, I'm habitually used to sort of putting things in con- in ton- context for my video reviews. I watched them back to back and it was a really interesting experience to see, you know, what Yojimbo does better and and uh, and uh, what A Fistful of Dollars does better. And then I watched Yojimbo. So I watched Yojimbo. I thought it's a masterpiece and it's one of my favorite films. And then I watched um, A Fistful of Dollars and I thought it's a masterpiece. And maybe there are some things that I think are better about it. And then I watched Yojimbo again and I thought, oh no, I prefer Yojimbo. Yeah. So it's really, it's really hard to pick. It's really hard to pick. But they're both incredible i uh <laughs> i did not i don't study for any of these so <laughs> i did not watch any, i did not watch any i and i i honestly from a personal stance standpoint like i i like the movie tombstone which my 
be a cardinal sin, but That's I'm not right. really I'm not really a Western. I've I've always been ever since I was a young age. Like they were on, and I just it just turned me. Out. It was just was not my thing. So I I've never really liked westerns per se. I've seen a, a few in my life, but I the black and white ones with John Wayne. But I was just like meh. It just I just it just never drew me in. And I'm not saying it's not like a valid or important part of cinema. I'm just saying that you know I'm not I don't really have an opinion. I I, I my only opinion would be that like I kind of. I kind of blame Ghost because Ghost kind of spoiled me with Zatoichi, and I've been watching a lot of Zatoichi lately on Hulu, and I'm just like, man, like this is a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, this guy's no Zatoichi, and then I start thinking about like Zatoichi and Daredevil comparisons, and I get I get off on like a Zatoichi tangent, and I'm just like, man. I, in fact, I was gonna watch a Zatoichi today, and I stopped because I was gonna watch the movie one more time before I did the review. And I was like, oh, I don't want to taint my review with Zatoichi. But the whole time I'm thinking, this guy knows Zatoichi. Yeah. Well, I'll throw out, um, just in terms of Kurosawa remakes, um, in particular, I watched The Magnificent Seven recently. Um, I was actually thinking, I I wanted to do um, a Seven Samurai versus Magnificent Seven at one point. And we had done the same in a podcast where we were going to do... Bloodsport versus Mortal Kombat as something that's derivative of something else. And I thought it would be an interesting idea, and it sucked. So we, we got rid of that. And I'm glad we didn't, because I liked Semer- Seven Samurai. You know, we we all love Seven Samurai. I, lo- I love its problems, and I love it its its way of doing things. Magnificent Seven is a turd. It is just an absolute turd. And if you would have asked me, I watched it years ago. If you would have asked me before I saw it, I would have said, yeah, it's a really decent. Like, that one's well worth your time. I mean, Yul Brenner, and you get... Charles Bronson, it's it's so it's so good. It's got a great cast, and it is so so boring. Yeah, yeah. Million dollar mustache. <laughs> Million dollar mustache. Yeah. All right, so um, we're gonna move on. I have a question for both you guys. Is it is it just me, or did Inokichi steal like every scene he was in? Oh yeah. He's great. He's he's like a silent movie um, villain. He's got this huge eyebrows, and then he's always chewing his lip. And I like that. I just think he's this sort of uh, fat, bumbling idiot who is very easily manipulated. And he's also like, um, he, yeah, he's he's like a villain from sort of a nineteen fifteen short film. And and whenever Sanjuro says anything to him, he just kind of runs off very quickly. <laughs> In a very comical way, and I yeah, he's great. I love him. But isn't he's also in? Um, I'm not. I don't know any of the actors' names apart from Tashira Mifuna. But isn't wasn't he also in uh, Seven Samurai? Yeah, there's a bunch of people in this that were uh, yeah. also in. Yeah. I, I I wrote that uh, before Gilbert Grape. He uh, he 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 made retarded look cool, right? Like <laughs> like like the guy. I like. I'll give you a scene that's my favorite scene in the movie. So they're like they're walking along. And he's like, yeah, it's a sh- it's not really a good job. He's like, whenever the guy's home to fuck that lady that's not really his wife, we got to stand out in the cult and he laughs. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's funny, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then he's all like, hey, dude, it, he's, it looks like nobody. It looks like uh, they're not they, that guy's not in the house fucking the wife, the wife, the the illegitimate wife. He's like, hey, isn't that the hut where that guy lives in? Where and he's like, and he's like, oh yeah. And then he goes over there and he beats the shit out of him in I'll front of his it. little kid. He's like, just pounded on him. He's like, yeah, bitch. And then meanwhile, and then he, and then, uh, and then the guy comes up to him, uh, Yojimbo comes up to him. He's like, Hey dude, those guys are all dead. And he's like, 
shit, I gotta go. And he just he just moves with a sense of purpose. Yeah. In the military, they'd be like, move with a sense of purpose. And he just runs it. He's just like, I'm just like, man, I love that guy right now. I put that guy under me right in a heartbeat, man. He's just he runs everywhere he goes. I was like, man, that's my troop right there. Was he your Was he your favorite character? He was my favorite character yeah. by far. Yeah. Steven, your favorite character? Uh, I would probably go with the same character, but I also like the Cooper, the guy that's always making the coffins. Oh, yeah, he's oh, funny. Yeah. See, for yeah. me, it's the old man. I love the old man. Bongy. He's the shopkeeper? Yeah. Or the restaurant? Well, yeah, restaurant, restaurateur. He's, Ooh, restaurateur. he's oh. crudgety and weird, but I loved him, yeah. I think it's America. Yeah. I, the thing I liked about him, actually, is that he's basically narrating the film. Yeah, because it 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 is like a play, and yeah. like Sa- Sanjuro is sitting in his it's kind of, it's a bar or a shop, and he's he can see everything that's happening from the from the yeah. windows. Good point. And then Gonji is kind of just explaining everything a bit at a time, so he's basically like the narrative for the film. And the thing I also like about the film is it. I keep repeating this, but it is like a play, and Sanjuro is like a participant in the play, and he's in the audience, and he's also writing the play. And he's, do you know what I mean? He's sort of manipulating what's happening, and then he steps in and steps out and watches. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think is most fun about about the film. And I think that's even a line in the film. Towards the end, uh, Sanjuro is eating some some food that's left, and uh, and Gonji, the barman, says, "You know, is this a play you've written?" Yeah. 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 So that's one of the things I really like about it. And see, I just love to point out one thing I love about him is he keeps giving Sanjuro sake and food. I mean. He's maybe the most useful person in the whole flick. Yeah. And why does he keep doing that? He should just... Yeah, I mean, he, the first meal was even free. He's like, this is yeah. free, plus some advice, get the fuck out of town. Yeah, and that should have been the end of their relationship, shouldn't it? Yeah, but instead, he comes back to save him. You know, <laughs> the best ending ever, where for no reason at all, he goes ahead and Katana slashes the ropes away from him, freeing him from his bonds. Yeah. And the Cooper sort of jumps back in terror, doesn't he? And, and then he, and then he says like the most classic thing, right? I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like "See you around." Yeah, he walks away. We might have a different translation. My, my subtitle said uh, something like um, "The town is now peaceful." Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just walks away, and the theme tune comes back on, and he sort of tucks his hands back into his robe. And that amazing theme tune comes on, and he just strides away, and then it's the end of the film. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's the difference between UK English. And American English. It's like, the town is safe. Good day, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get? So I was just like, around. see no, you later. See you around. See you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, dude. Australia, if it's Australia, it would be like, your dingoes are in a line, mate. Bye. Yeah. Hey, hang loose. Hang loose. Hang loose, buddy. Up. Mine was Criterion Collection. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like Bob's your uncle, Bess is your aunt. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. <laughs> can I can I go uh, can I go get a drink real quick? Because both of my pictures are out again. I, I'll be right back. Oh fuck! Really? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go. I, 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 Listen, just just go. We're okay. Gonna all right. Keep, we're gonna keep talking. We're still recording. Come on. We don't need Lee telling us to pause so he can get more booze. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That it. I do always wonder about that. I will. I refuse to watch any film. Uh, you know, uh, overdubbed. I think it's the worst thing in the world. So oh, it's terrible. So, so subtitles have to do and. And they're almost always wrong, you know, to what people were saying. Uh, Japanese films in particular, you know, you know the name of the characters. And then you hear somebody yell it and it comes out like, let's say, in this case, Sanjuro. They'll be like, yeah. Shinya! It's like... Yeah, they're totally different, aren't they? 
Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard when, when, you, when you're talking about a foreign movie, and it's particularly with, with like, for me, non-European films. Or, um, I, I've written down all the names of all the characters, and as I'm writing them down, I'm listening to them speak the names, and they're totally different to what's actually printed there on the subtitle. Yeah. So yeah, it happens with Ichi all the time. I mean, Ichi is at least like Ichi or something, but they're yeah. always like, and it says Ichi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, Do you think there's a Japanese person somewhere listening to this thinking, oh, these guys are just idiots? I have a good Japanese friend I send these to, but I'll be very interested to, to see what she says about that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's interesting because uh, I, I really like uh, the films of, I'm off on a tangent, uh, Heio Miyazaki, uh, you know, the anime yeah. Films. Yeah. And beautiful. I, I only, think yeah, they are beautiful. I, I'm going to be honest. They're the only foreign films, foreign for me, um, that that I that I watch the dub because they do such a good job of dubbing them. You know, they get in very famous actors and famous writers to to not the fame matters, but you know, talented people to 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 do them. And I've I've heard people say that if you watch it in the subtitled version, there's so much that's just been completely left out. I, I find that very interesting. Yeah, for sure. I've uh, I've watched a lot of German cinema. Um, I have a lot of family there, and uh, I watch a lot of Korean cinema. I think in both cases, uh, there's a lot left, a lot lost in translation. That's for sure. All right. So, what do you think was the most tragic moment of this film? And I'll start with Stephen. I, I that's a re- really good question. Actually, for me, um, it's the bit where CB and his wife are saying to their son. I'm going to look at my notes to get his name. Is it? Oh, man. Anyway, whatever their kid's name is, it starts with Y. Um, that the only way to succeed in this world is to cheat and be a killer or something yeah. like that. And I, I think that's really tragic because he doesn't seem like a bad kid. But they're, you know, they, they want him to be a, a murderer um, and a cheat in order to succeed in their world. And, you know, he says something like, um, but I've killed one of Oshitura's men. And they're like, only one? You know, that's not good enough, and you kill one or a thousand, and they'll still hang you. That's beautiful, because you might, you might be right that that is the most tragic moment. He even says something like, that's not honorable to kill Sanjuro after he helps us. They're like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> what? It'll cost us money. In fact, that same kid, he comes back later and he yells, mommy, and he runs up to her and she says, why didn't you bite your tongue off and die? You caused us trouble, you ungrateful bastard. It was like a love letter from my own mom. And she slaps him about yeah. ten times. <laughs> she slaps him on the head. All right, Lee. After Hello. he went running after them like they were the only key- thing keeping him alive. Exactly. The it's most funny. tragic moment in your mind. When he turned down the sex from the free hookers. Yeah. That was when I was like, oh, we're not getting a, <laughs> you know, getting I, a sex scene. I didn't think that was coming, but that is your most tragic scene. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, those yeah. comfort women were there to they, like. He could have there. had sex with eight, ten ladies that night, just like I, in I mean, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, um, you know what's his name? Um, I've only I've only made love to one, only one Japanese girl in my life, and she was not fr- actually from Japan. So I was well, really it, excited about. But well, then that. it wasn't real. I mean, she she was from <laughs> you know Fort Collins. Fort so, Collins, you know, right? Yeah, that's not Japan. Like, yeah, you can't I was say like, Japanese. Come on. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was really excited. You know, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. And as long as we're following fuzzy rules. I mean, gosh, I've had sex with aliens. I think, whatever. <laughs> aliens. I don't. Okay. Well, I go with. Uh, there's the part where they um, they destroyed all of those 
big bins of sake. And oh, that is quite sad. You watch it all pouring out on them. They're not even trying to like fix it for some reason. They're just running in some choreographed circle to show that they're busy trying to do something. But you don't try to stop sake from pouring out of big cedar bins by running around. You try to shove like a kimono or something up in the hole that's been poked. Wrong. Yeah. You use you open your mouth wide. Well, I thought about that too. Like if you're not <laughs> I was trying like, to I save could be it, drinking the shit no, out of that. If you're not trying to save it, there should have been at least one guy, and he <laughs> yeah. should have just done it for you know humorous value, standing there with his mouth open while the sake poured in. But they didn't even have that. They just running around. So uh, Stephen wins this um, as actually pointing out there was a purely tragic <laughs> moment in this, and uh, it was not. Sanjiro not having sex with prostitutes. Stephen nor... Stephen single handedly brings into question yeah. the American education system. Once absolutely, again. absolutely. <laughs> is it the wasted booze or is it the prostitution that was the tragic moment, or was it actually a child being, you know, shown you have a good heart, kid, but it's wrong. You need to yeah. do shitty stuff. You need to be a sociopath. You need to be a sociopath. Exactly. Yes, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed that I brought decency and honor to to this podcast. I think you're right. <laughs> I'm just, you're just much better. Hey, listen, <laughs> Stephen, I set I set you up. I think should have been one of prostitute strip naked, bathed in the sake that's spilling out of the. <laughs> If there's any way we could do like a clockwork orange scene where Sanjiro's having sex with the prostitutes while the sake is pouring all over them. Stephen, <laughs> just when I can think you could do in, in, do anything any more stupid, you do this and totally, totally redeem, redeem yourself. yourself. Oh. Yeah, boom. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I love you, buddy. Oh. That, was, that was beautiful. I, I actually pictured a very pretty Asian girl in sake yeah. and, then, and then my condom... I had to change it now. So thank you. I appreciate that. So guys, I wanted to ask another. What is your favorite line? You heard me earlier talk about I had multiple favorite lines because the, there are so many good lines in this one. Um, sake, I'll think while I drink. And then, of course, uh, you know, I'd love to kill freaking everyone. I think those are both pretty brilliant. Uh, we'll start with uh, Stephen. How about you? What was your favorite line? Yeah, I, hmm, I think I probably already said it, actually. It's the closing line of the film. Yeah. Um, where, uh, the, you know, it's all over. Um, everyone's dead, uh, except the silk merchant who has killed the brewer and sort of staggered off with blood all over his robes. And then Sanjuro hacks the ropes from Gonji, the, the barkeep. And then he says something along the lines of, um, the town is peaceful now. Goodbye. And then he just turns around and walks off. And I, I really love that. It's a very abrupt ending. Um, but it, it, you know, it fits the film because he ended up there completely by accident, um, was faced with this uh, mission for this really, you know, shitty town, has saved the town by allowing everybody to kill each other. So there's nobody really alive anymore. Um, and then, you know, he says sort of, thank you very much, goodbye, and just strides off. And the theme tune comes on and he sort of shrugs a couple of times and just walks off. And I think it's just a really abrupt, mm -hmm. really charismatic ending. And, you know, you just imagine the other adventures that he's going to stride into. So I guess that would be my favorite line. Nice. All right, Leroy? The the Lollipop Guild guy's like, he comes up to him, he's like, go hang yourself. And the guy like nods like, yes, sir. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that that's was so cruel. It was so cruel. I, mean, I I sat there thinking, like you both did, 
is he really going to? Like, is he that? Which brings me to the next thing we're going to talk about. Your final thoughts. My final thought. Uh, I'll start with myself because it they they go hand in hand. It's that um, you know the samurai they're famed for like loyalty, that loyalty to employers or their masters, whatever. But Sanjuro, he he's unemployed. He's a Ronin. He comes, and that's why he's able to be the way he is. He, everyone believes that he's going to be loyal, and he isn't, right? Like, he's like, fuck you. Like, those were the old days. Here I am. I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, mess with you guys. I'm going to troll you. I'm going to say I'm going to be your guy or your guy. I'm going to kill people and make you do some stuff. But it goes straight to that quote, right? Like, is he telling someone who is, like, so loyal to whatever authority to go hang themselves, and he's going to go hang himself? I don't know. That's my that's my total final thought. I just thought this was, like, really subversive from the standard samurai flick, just in that they they played with this idea of loyalty so much. Uh, let's go to Steven. Yeah, I, I think something we haven't talked about um, is the way, although it heavily draws on Westerns and then you know, led to a huge resurgence in Westerns with Clint Eastwood and A Fistful of Dollars. It's actually, it's very critical of gun culture. Um, there's one character, I always struggle with the damn names, but I think it's Uno Suki, who's the brother of um, the boss uh, Ushitura, um, one, of the, one of the main villains in the thing. And he's the guy that always has the gun with him. Right. And basically, he's, he's a coward, so you know, um, Sanjuro, he strides into action uh, fearlessly with a smile on his face, with complete nonchalance. Um, but, uh, you know, this guy, he has a gun and his gun is his bravery. Um, and, you know, it takes a great deal of skill to do what Sanjuro does. Um, but Unosuke, he his bravery is his gun. You know, he just pulls the trigger and kills somebody. That's his power. So I find that quite interesting. And, and also, you know, when he dies, he wants the gun yeah. to help his hand because it's like he isn't anybody unless he has his gun in his hand. So I think that's that's kind of kind of interesting that, yeah, you know, this is a film that drew on Westerns and then led to a huge resurgence of Westerns. But actually, it's saying that Japanese culture is more honorable and requires more skill and requires more bravery because you have to actually walk to the person and meet them in order to kill them. Um, than than Western culture. So that's kind of one of my favorite things about the film. Um, and, you know, of course, when you get to A Fistful of Dollars, Clint Eastwood is the hero or anti-hero of the film, but, you know, he's a man with a gun who can shoot quickly. You're right. That that nuance is completely left behind in a remake because it was it was the, the gun. I mean, the, the yeah. you know, Chekhov's gun, whatever you want to call it. Like, it was such a, a piece. It... it shifted the 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 balance of power so yeah. much yeah it's crazy and you know he does the same the kurosawa does the same thing in the seven samurai i'm useless with, with the, the rifle system. yeah but again he, he's, he's a master swordsman but he just gets gunned down sort of pathetically near the end yeah um sanjuro avoids that fate uh, that fate but it's it's saying really the same thing and only you, only because of the sashimi uh, chef's knife <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's a brilliant scene, and I was tempted to say that's my favorite scene when he sort of dodges to the to the left and throws his knife. Yeah, it was good. It's a brilliant move, yeah. And, so, and the training for that scene with the leaf was pretty smart. Oh, yeah. It was the really build-up for that was pretty smart. Yeah. 
So Unosuke has the one with the with the pistol, right? Yeah. Okay, so two things. First off, Lee, give me a quick one. What caliber is that? It's got the smallest barrel I've ever seen in my life. Is that like a twenty two pistol? Well, um I actually I actually didn't pay attention to that. You should because it's the smallest pistol. I, I mean, I've it could ever be a, it could be a twenty-two. I mean, but it's I like Kurosawa couldn't get a gun, so he was just the, like anybody I mean, have any gun. The, the distance, the distance in the from it, at the final scene and the barrel itself would belie that it's it's pretty small. Um, but you know, it doesn't mean that a twenty-two shell isn't accurate. Which you remember in Last Man Standing, Bruce Willis had a forty-five, and every time he yeah. shot someone, the force of the bullet was enough Damn to make right. them fly eight feet back Damn and then right. land in because, the dirt. Because uh, the Americans invented the forty-five in the Mexican-American War. Oh okay. shit! So all I was going to say is this: um, <laughs> there's a point where um, Unasuke is dying, and uh, Sanjuro is sitting there next to him, and he says, "Please give me my gun. I only shot two bullets. That means I have more." We know it's this whole setup that it's fake and whatever. But what um, what Ebert had pointed out is that, like, he's resigned to die. Like, Ghost Dog. He's sitting there. He's like, if you happen to have the strength after I fucking slashed you, I'm giving you your gun. If you somehow have the spirit within you from the Bushido, you know, this this concept of this relentless spirit that can kill me please do it he he doesn't move when the gun's aimed at him again guy starts grinning like a fucking idiot like i'm really gonna do it sanjuro just sits there he could move he could disarm him he could slash him again across his throat he just sits there and waits resigned to die if that's what's gonna happen and of course the darkness has come i can't do it uh shoots in the air and somehow they milk the shit out of that scene. So yeah, it's Unasuke, a great tension builder. Unasuke yeah. just keeps laying there groaning. It was like uh, it was like from Kung Pao. The dog keeps dying and the old man keeps dying. Somehow Unasuke just keeps dying. Like it's five minutes later and people are starting to leave the set. And Unasuke's like, "Hey, two bit, are you still there?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm just I'm just feeling unwell. <laughs> right, exactly. The I just, whole- I've got a bit of a stomachache. Um, the come... hopelessness that was in the the capture scene, yeah, carries with you to that scene. So you think ultimately that this snaky kind of effete guy, who's a real bitch, is finally going to get the best of Yojimbo. I call him Yojimbo. Sanjuro. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't recognize that name. And, um, <laughs> and uh, Yojimbo is like, nah, bruh. Yojimbo is Yojimbo. Hey, Lee, maybe Lee, just start, call, start calling him Jim. I'm gonna call him Jim. <laughs> so Jim. So Jim's there, and he's like, nah, bruh. I like the Blake craps every day. I go to Vegas, and then this this other guy who I'm gonna call um, uh, I'm gonna call him Aerosmith because he he walks like a lady. You know, and he's all like, Aerosmith's all like, nah, brah. He's like, I'm going to fucking get you for fucking slicing me open, killing my, my brother with a retard strength and my dad and Andre the Giant. That's that's offensive. And fucking and then he's all like, nah, and, and fucking Jim's like, nah, brah. And then he fucking he nah bras him. He's just like, nah, brah. And then and then and then uh, dude like uh, Aerosmith's all like. <laughs> He's all like, he's all like, oh fuck, man, I can't see anymore because I've lost like thirty liters of blood. I'm laying yeah, in like a, you know, they I'm really like, did, they did the it, toddler's right? level of blood. It, it just so poured yeah. from it. It'll be up to your knees. <laughs> and <laughs> and then 
And then I was like, I was like, hey man, do they have a lifeguard on set? Because that guy's bleeding a lot, and that's really deep. He could drown in like a bucket of blood. And then, uh, and then like it was like nah. But you know what? Because it was so scary when Andre the Giant was beating up uh, Jim. You know, I was like, man, Jim's not gonna make it, bro. Okay. And then when he opens up that, he opens up that 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 storage chest. I was like, oh, he's gonna grab a sword and cut that guy's dick off. I thought so too. I was like, oh, finally. And then storage no storage chest. No, all full we get is swords. You know what? Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna do my my segment now because I've had like. A giant bottle of sake. Yeah, listen. So yeah. I've, I can cut so much out of this. So go for no, it. No, keep keep that bit. That's amazing. We're, we're gonna do my segment, which is called "What They Did Fucking Wrong." One, you. It's not as entertaining when Jim doesn't have <laughs> competitors on both sides that aren't as aren't as strong as he is. Like if you can imagine, like. Jim going into the scene and like Wait, each clear, side has their. Let's clarify enforcer. here. You're doing your final thoughts piece right now, right? Yeah. This is okay, this is ahead. called this is called sake does not induce thoughts, uh, or sake, <laughs> which is the opposite. Oh, sake! It's the opposite of the sake. sake. It helps yeah. me think from the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Sake <laughs> hates America. Go okay, ahead. Right, Go number on. One. So anyway, uh, what I was saying was that he needed counterbalances on each side so that when he got into the actual fight with each one of the gangs like well actually one gang ultimately um it should have been it should have been more tension building you know i i i had no fear that he was going to whoop their asses when he got up there because they were all completely petrified of him they were all cowards um and two um the thing that was wrong with this movie is that it went on i mean it wasn't a 3 hour movie but it still went on too long and there was not enough action sequences like i don't need to hear every little thing that every person has to say like when you're walking i don't need to hear everything you have to say cuz no you know what people don't talk when they're walking Get you know used i'm to it man it was boring i mean it, it, like the movie was unremarkable like i had to watch it like 3 times to remember everything sober i was like meh I was like, this is no Zatoichi film. This well, is dope. Let me tell you, Zatoichi's going to get you there because uh, there's a lot of talking. Yeah, but Zatoichi's good. It's like, okay, so like today I was watching, I watched like three minutes of this film and they're like, hey, what's your name, blind guy? And he's all like, Ichi. And then boom, 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 three guys like go down. No, like, you, you know. here's the one thing I'll give to Zatoichi over anything else. So first off, this is a more... Um, realistic, even though it isn't really realistic samurai film. Like, it could have happened. Where Zatoichi could never have happened. And Zatoichi is actually my favorite thing in the world. I love that character and what happens. And the body count in Zatoichi is... Like, every episode is between 30 and 40 people that he slashes down without questioning. My re- my rebut to that would be, when you get some Legos, do you have to fill out, like, a fucking uh, a, per- a building permit? All I'm saying... Is no, that you don't. You don't file a building permit. These are all like these, Legos, right? The all these old fifties and even into the sixties and forties. These films are they're more or less plays, just as Stephen pointed yeah. out. They have a, a narrator and they have their characters, and it plays a lot like that. So what you hope for is that you get enough good stuff out of it that you're not watching a play. You're watching something that you can immerse yourself in, which would be you know some samurai slashing, and I think. I think Sanjiro did a great job murdering the shit out of people yeah. all the way up to the end. But what am, if I didn't have already all those other lines, one of my favorite lines is, get a coffin. He's like, you're giving up already? He's like, yeah. oh no, I'm not ready to die. I've got like a shit more people, shit ton more people I need to kill. I'm like, yes! 
I just felt in the second act there was a lot of like it was kind of reminding me of like modern films like um when they when they switch up the plot too much you know it kind of it kind of drags and what I wanted to see like I kind of felt like it could have been cut a little bit because in the second act I was really bored you know what's just... happening is they're trying to build drama drama for the audience of the time and I love that. For me, that's like comfort food. I love watching these old samurai films, and I love the drama as much as I love the action because it means something to me. But if you're in it from a pure, like in your case, which I think is wonderful, a pure Satoichi perspective of how many people is he going to kill to show what a badass he is, it's you're not going to get that from Kurosawa films. Well, but good drama. Like I wasn't like I wasn't I wasn't tensed up. I wasn't seized throughout the, most of the second act. I was just like, well, I mean, like they had, the a lot of the premises had already subsist upon themselves. So I was just like, well, uh, you know, and then towards the end when he got captured by Andre the Giant, then I was like, oh, shit, this is really scary. And and yeah, there, there was about 20 minutes in the second act that they could have cut and put that in there. And I was like, oh, and then it gets good again once he's like escaping from that. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I could have replaced him. a lot of the movie. OK, I've but I three so, things to say. Is it yeah. man, I jump in? I I. I I've had quite a lot of whiskey, so I, I, it might be difficult. Good, good. No, no, no. This is, that means your opinion is the most important right now. <laughs> no, it isn't. It isn't. But so I, I was in. I haven't seen it. Have you seen a Zatoichi versus Sanjuro? Yeah, well, of course. It's uh, that, 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 that's the probably the third or fourth Sanjuro movie. So it's Yojimbo. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is I don't. Agree, I'm going back miles, but I was waiting to jump in. I, I don't agree with Roger Ebert about the end of Yojimbo. Yeah. I, th- I think the reason that Yojimbo allowed CB to have his gun back is because all the way through the film, he is trusting in his luck. He trusts in fate. So he trusts that um, Matt Aerosmith uh, won't be able to shoot him. Because, mm. you know, even, even when you get to the point where he's been beaten half to death and he's, you know, in the brewery, and he hasn't got anywhere to go, luck saves him because there's that scene where light glimmers in his face and then it's the light reflected off the lock in that sort of uh, trunk. So he climbs into the trunk and then the guys, because they're really stupid, think he's escaped somehow and they leave the door open and then he escapes. So I think the reason why he allowed um, Unasuki to have the gun back is because he didn't believe that he could be killed because he completely trusts to his luck, which is why he seems cool all the way through the whole film steven yeah i love you and yeah poor Thank roger you. wait wait poor roger ebert no offense you're dead but fuck off that was yeah. the it, really it, bad it, analysis of the end yeah. of yojimbo yeah. and not only that like steven <laughs> points out another thing is that saki has clearly slowed our minds we no, must only 100%. drink whiskey we he must knew, only drink whiskey he knew he couldn't die he knew he couldn't die he was like yeah, bring it on, bitch. No, no, yeah. no. He didn't know. He trusted. No. So faith, he trust, faith, faith, whatever he knew in his heart that that gun was never going to do a thing listen, to him. I think there's these things called the crusades and jihads that would show that faith doesn't always show up. <laughs> you know, you believe in faith all you want, but uh, faith can let you down real fast. I don't think... I, I Ooh, think, I think did I say a, faith and you took faith as to mean some sort of like a religious thing? I'm I not taking... Like, yeah, I no, feel no, like no. faith isn't is an ex- no, 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 things. No, no, I'm, I'm 100% on Steven's side of this that it's about luck. Like he knows his luck is golden. 
Yeah, there's two I, snapping fingers. He's just like yeah. I, I think he I think he just trusts fate. Like he just he trusted the stick in the beginning. Yeah. You know, yeah. he felt like, well, there's a there's a very the whole thing's situation. a fate a fate tale. I'm not gonna But I die. mean what is what is what does he have to lose? He clearly doesn't have anything else to lose. Just as he's life. playing with house money. You know? Yeah. So guys, it is time finally for us to do our top six. It's a hard top six. Um, I, it'll be hard for you guys. It was hard for me to come up with it. Um, it's not so easy to say what is trivia around Yojimbo, or I didn't want to go too obscure and do, hey, what's trivia around just Kurosawa or something like that, which would just be boring. So I kind of threw it all together, and it's going to be uh, a mishmash. Uh, uh, what's, yeah, whatever. Uh, I was thinking of a hobnob, or there's other terms for that mix up. Smorgasbord. A <laughs> Um, Jeopardy. What is potpourri, Alex? For five hundred, I have six questions. Uh, you guys want to like guess a number to see who goes first? No, 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 no. I'm going to okay. drink my thinking juice. Okay, guest always goes there. All right, guest goes first. All right, so Stephen, yeah. this movie was remade thrice. We okay. talked about Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Uh, there was Last Man Standing. Yeah. What would be another remake of YouTube? Yeah, fuck yeah, it is. 1966, it's a loose ripoff, but it is a... They just went for it, right? They stole it. you know anything yeah. more about that? Uh, I've watched Django. I watched Django back in the 80s, and I didn't know anything about uh, a lot of shit at that age. But, yeah. I think it's 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 also made by somebody called Sergio. Ooh, another Sergio. That's all I have. I have nothing. It was 1966, and and, and right. what I remember from it is that it's like super, super gory. Like, yeah. there's you know people getting disemboweled and stuff like that. But it's another, it's another uh, you know version of um, Yojimbo influencing cinema because you've got a fistful of dollars. Obviously, it leads to a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and basically all of Clint Eastwood's westerns. But then you've got Django and all of those other films as well. And then you get Django Unchained all those years later. So I was going to say a- that, you know, um, you know, of course, Quentin Tarantino, he didn't say, I want to do another remake of this or that. He thought Django with all of its, you know, 60s gore was like his yeah. go to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, Tarantino would wet himself to come up with a plot as good as Yojimbo. You know that you know a kind of enclosed plot, rather like um, uh, Reservoir Dogs. You know that that's his bag. So yeah. it's had a, a huge influence. Yeah, like take a step back. I mean, you look at uh, Tarantino. Mm. We have Reservoir Dogs, which was beautiful. All these guys, different personalities. It's kind of a ripoff of a lot of the, you know. Seven Samurai, whatever. But then yeah. his most famous film of ever, uh, Pulp Fiction, and yeah. it's it's about dialogue. It's not story so much. So now he's really just going off, and he's just masturbating on all the stuff he's loved over the years. I would say Jackie Brown was the best thing he ever produced. Right, Jack- masturbating on more '60s yeah. and '70s stuff. All right, well, yeah. it's it's up to you, buddy. Number two. Uh, I I've already hold on. Let me. Uh... No, there's no holding on. Number two. So we got 20. Boom. Go on. Toshiro Mifune was up for the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. They actually wrote it for either Toshiro or there was another Japanese actor. I have to look it up. But they wanted one of the two for Obi-Wan. What other Star Wars character? Actually, this other Star Wars character was written 
like with him in mind and he said no fuck off it's a kids movie what character in star wars was it han solo no you lose it was darth vader in fact according to mifune's daughter mika mifune lucas was so desperate to have toshiro on board that he offered him the role of darth vader the vader helmet was supposed like supposedly designed in a samurai style and there would have been no mask there would have been no mask in front no darth vader face it would have been toshiro mifune Without what's his name, James Earl Jones voicing it, it would have been pathetic. Well, I think everything comes that, to pass, right? That, that, like no, that, that only that Toshiro only verifies a, the fact that that movie was saved in editing. Yeah, Toshiro had a great voice, and his face yeah. in there, and his voice, it would have been really compelling. Mm, it's great what in they Japanese. Did, it's not what they great did in is after that they would they said, "All right, come on, we have no one. We have this guy with a weaselly voice. Let's get James Earl Jones. Let's give him a mask." Anyway, you know, you know what would have happened though is that they would have made the prequels and they would have, they would have sort of projected a, a Western face over to Shiro Mifune's face. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they, they adjusted those films, didn't they, later on? They did, to, exactly. Yeah, so that's what, that, that's what would have happened. That and what would have happened to, like, Luke so, Skywalker? He couldn't have been this blonde... Exactly, he would have been Asian. Yeah. Well, well but, wouldn't but, have made the connection between, between him and uh, Darth Vader. What you're really saying is that Toshiro Mifino should get uh, his family should get royalties from the Star Wars should have uh, franchise it didn't because he helped way. save it from well, so, you know, uh, George Lucas. Let me throw this yeah. out there, and I know um, Stephen, you would love to yell this right now as well. That okay. Star Wars itself is based on Hidden Fortress. There you go. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Kurosawa yeah. film. Like George Lucas was obsessed, like we are, with Japanese samurai cinema and he made his fucking my understanding is what what the movie that you see is is not what the movie that george lucas wrote like for instance like uh han solo was like a frogman like there were massive edits that were done to the story and then and then the movie uh, the movie is alleged to be saved in editing so it was filmed one way and then it was edited to be a good movie and yeah. then people were like, this is a great movie. Like, you can see that in the prequels. Uh, there's nobody else who's done a better job of that than Red Letter Media, who show you what happens when you let George Lucas actually make a movie. It's you, absolutely atrocious. You brought up so, Rockman. Uh, can I say something? Yeah, please. There, there, there are films in history that's, you know, classic films that seem to have happened by accident. Um, Easy Rider is a film that seemed to happen completely by accident because oh, Dennis yeah. Hopper was off, off his face on drugs. But, you know, they, they happen by accident and they're very much of their time and they capture the zeitgeist. And I suspect probably Star Wars was one of those films, um, you know, that George Lucas, you know, through his obsession with, yes, you know, Japanese cinema and and the, you know, the... the uh, Oh, what's the word? You know, tropes of tra- traditional. Oh yeah, you know, and, and the fact that the fact that the fact that Star Trek existed. He's like, what do people want next? What can I possibly do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but the, your actual original screen screenplay for the movie has nothing but the movie is. It, it has bears no resemblance to the actual movie. That's why I'm like. I piss on Star Wars more than anybody because I'm like, have you ever actually read the screenplay that George Lucas wrote? It, it bears no resemblance. Like they literally, like he got approval, and the, the studio was like, "This is there are things that are garbage, and we have to fix this." Han yeah. Solo would have never been Han Solo. Do you know how cool Han Solo is? Han Solo is the shit. You know, I mean, there were he's my that, hero. 
He made out with your sister. I mean, he he's, he a, he's a badass guy. All right, guy. guys, right. pause. It's You're writing num- it in now. Number three. I'm writing it in. Number three. Yeah. This is for Steven. How many Kurosawa films was Toshiro Mifune in? in- oh. Well, that's a good question. And, and this is, a fu- oh, this is a fuzzy. One. You need to be between, like, three on either side. No, I would say no, two. I should try and get it right. Um... No, 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 no. Two. Two. Okay. okay. Because we've done two films together. Two. Man. Okay, Sanjuro, obviously, Yojimbo, uh, The Seventh Samurai, Throne of Blood. He was in a lot of Stray Dog. Uh, Jesus Loves America. I don't know whether. I think he might have been in Hidden Fortress. Um, Five? Five? Milo Yiannopoulos. The answer is 16. Oh, oh my really? god! Uh, Kira Kurosawa and really? Toshiro Mifune because, collaborated because... for sixteen films. Okay, he's just... been filming oh, since the forties. He's been filming since the forties. I remember that. Right. What are they all? Oh, well, you'll have to go hit IMDb for that. Because uh, on the on Seven Samurai, I asked Ghost about the first movie that this guy did, and it was the first Japanese movie that filmed everything live action and that was actually competent. So the guy developed a choreography that was actually like live action in a in a camera so, sequence that actually captured the violence. To what you're saying, I believe his first was actually Seven Samurai, and he found yeah. Toshiro no. Mifune from like a troupe, like they huh. they did some stuff. I don't know something along those lines. Whatever. Dude, uh, if listen. you go back, I'm, I remember asking you what's the first film he did. It was in 44 or 45. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Oh, Kurosawa or, or Mifune? Kurosawa. Oh, okay. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he goes way back. All right, number four. This one's for Lee. God, no. The Daisho is the pairing of the katana and what other sword? I'm talking about that mini sword. What's short sword. The short sword. Do you have any idea what it's called? It's called the Wakazashi, and it was used as a backup <laughs> sword. It was also oh. used for close quarters fighting. First combat, yeah. Or and then it was to also behead. for to commit suicide as well, right? Thank you. You got the final part. That means you get one point. I'm glad you didn't ask me that. No, I don't get, I don't get a point. I don't get a point for that. That's a fail. Half That's a fail. point. You, you knew it was for... I get point five. You knew but I know. I knew what it was for, but I didn't know what the name was. So, because I don't... Listen... If you're listening to this and it's like 10 years from now. All right. So, so far, I am, Stephen has I won. Don't, I am not Japanese. No. I, no. Latino. I don't care about Japanese culture to that point. Yes, if you I, do. I, shut up. Movies. All right, guys. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shut this up. This next one is for Stephen. Okay. Oh. All right. I'm ready. Takashi Shimura is often in uh, Kurosawa slash Mifune movies. We know him as Kambai from Seven Samurai. Were you able to pick out that actor in this film? Yeah, no, I that's not for you. Sure. Shut up. Can I can I give you the name of the character? Yeah. Uh, okay. Or I'm even what he does in the movie. I know exactly. I, Shut I mean, up. You, 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 it's my turn. I do. I wouldn't have known the answer to your question. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, you know, Kitchy, the brother. No. No, I don't know. I'm. I don't have a clue. All right, Lee. You're so restaurant owner. Nope. Oh, okay. He was he was Tokuman, the sake brewer. He oh. is Takashi Shimura, who you know he was like the main badass. Legitimately Kambai. having sex with the other lady. I appreciate that. Go on. All right, number six is now for you, Lee. This is the final question. 
Okay, so I'm going to lose either way. Good, good. Oh, yeah. So, so far, the only point that's been landed is by Stephen. First question. Um, You got kind of a a half-assed question. No, 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 no. no, Yeah, no, I agree. It doesn't doesn't stand. It doesn't stand. You fail. All right, number six. So, in the modern day, with a few exceptions, good sake is served chilled. Cheap sake is served hot. But back in the day that we're looking at here of uh, Yojimbo and Sanjuro, uh, you almost always see it being heated. Why do you think they heated the sake? What aspect? To activate of the yeast. Shut up! It is not your question. Or wait, is it? I think it's it was mine. his question. Yeah, it was. Okay, good. Go for it. Activate the yeast. Activate the yeast. No, keep going. Come on. There's got to be other reasons that you're heating sake. I don't care. It is because back then they brewed sake in cedar tanks, and somehow the woody flavor of all of that was like needed it distilled to, into the wine. Yeah. yeah, it needed to be heated so you didn't just, just taste this raw wood flavor. So they would heat it, and that made it more palatable, like a tea. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was woodier, and that's really the end of it. You can still get that kind of sake today. It's called uh, taro sake. And it's just kind of like a cedar-flavored sake. Listen, I've been to Japan. You're not missing that much. Hey, guess what? Know who's missing something? You. You just failed. Failed hardcore. (laughs) See the winner. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Top six? Oh, yeah. You know, I'd like to say if I have to lose to anybody, I prefer they have an English accent. Hmm? Not a Scottish. You know, I don't want them to be from Wales either. Wales. Fucking... You know, those, He's got those people with the, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, th- those people with their little fucking, their little uh, um, apple-flavored beers, you know, I can't remember what they're called right now because I haven't drank too much sake, but I hate those. All right, we have, yeah. the, we have the sake whiskey slash Guinness-fueled episode here, and we're finishing oh, it off. Yeah. We're finishing it off. Okay. Ready? It's okay. time for Steven to give final thoughts oh, to yes. Yojimbo. Steven, final thoughts? I mean, it, it, Yojimbo is probably my favorite Kurosawa film. I think it's, you know, incredibly stylish, probably his most stylish, most modern film. Um, I think, you know, it has a really concise, really brilliant plot. I think Mifuni is uh, truly iconic in this film. And I think it's a film that massively influenced Western cinema. Um, so I think, you know, it's a film that if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Um, it's not a long film and it is a masterpiece and it is one of the great films of world cinema. Um, and from my point of view, if you're interested in contemporary films, um, probably by the end of tomorrow, if I'm not too hungover, uh, there'll be a review of Blair Witch, which will be knocking out Hmm. and, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. So, and in the meantime, of course, you should enjoy Cinema Bushido and their brilliant podcasts. So there's a new Blair Witch. Yeah. yeah, it's a new one. It's a brand new one. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll check out your review tomorrow, and I look forward to that. Lee, final thoughts, my friend. I I would disagree. I think uh, uh, Mitsu or uh, Tashiro Mitsufuna had a more range in uh, Seven Samurai as an actor, and I felt if you're going to drag me two hours, then what's three? Right? You know. Um, but um, I, I felt that this movie was not a bad film. We've certainly reviewed much worse films. I'd probably rank this in the top five of the films we've reviewed so far. So I would recommend that you watch this movie. 
Um, I would recommend uh, Zatoichi and um, the Zatoichi films, and I would recommend. Sorry, I got a text. And then I got. I would recommend also um, Seven Samurai, and then I would recommend this film. What's funny um, is what you're doing is I I respect that a ton, and every time you throw out a reference to Zatoichi, I you I give you a, a virtual like hug. So well because because for me <laughs> I've seen like three Zatoichi films and they're all like way better. I know, but it's not the same thing. But we can, <laughs> know, we can but... Do, it's like it's almost like we could just like okay, forget Sanjiro, forget Sanjiro, forget <laughs> Yojima. I mean, Let's I mean, just Samurai, talk more Seven about Seven Samurai. Zatoichi. Was a good flick, though. but keep in I mean, mind I'm... they are unrelated completely. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, to me, this lacked the grandioseness of. It's um, tough when you get Seven like Samurai. sunk. It's it's like trying to watch The Searchers but after you've you could have you could have made the good, the bad, and the ugly, or something. I don't you know. Could've, you could you could have made the movie a buck twenty and been good. Right.